Welcome to Span Reads, not your typical rereads podcast, a 17th Shard series where we reread the Cosmere and are giant nerds about it. Today, we will be talking about the characters and relationships in Mistborn the Final Empire. Joining me is Mish. Hi, also known as First Rainbow Rose. Also joining me is Ian. Hey, I'm your writer. And also Rosemary. Hi, I'm Kimith. Next, we have got Matt. Hi, Matt slash Comatose. And last but not least, we have Katie. Hello, I'm also Aeonine. And I am Jessie, or Lady Lameness. Today, we will be talking about characters, and we will only be having spoilers for Mistborn the Final Empire, nothing outside of that. It drives me crazy when people tell me that this book has great romance, because this book has a terrible, like, by way of the (laughs) romance and the believability. I am sorry, but you see them three times. Vin mentions that there were three other parties that they were at, and... Then the fourth time you see them on screen together, Vin is heartbroken over the fact that Ellen and realizes that she is in love with Ellen and then Ellen is apparently in love with her. They've seen each other six times total. That's not true. Um, I tracked this. Okay. Uh, So when you look at their last two on screen times between, you know, when he sits at her table and is an annoying, adorable pain. And then when they meet up, when they're being all flirty the third time, they meet together where they planned to. There are off-screen meetups between them, in between those two scenes, where it's implied that they've been seeing each other regularly at balls. And they, at least enough to have pre-planned the meeting in that spot. Yes. So there's there is there is unaccounted for time in between. We don't know exactly how long it was. It could be two weeks. It could be three months. She said it's been they three balls. No, it was the third ball, the third venture ball. There's a full rotation. Yes, but at one point she mentions there were three times that they saw each other. There were she says something like there's three balls where No, she was referring to cuz cuz I was paying attention. <laughs> she was referring to their you know, three venture balls ago. So there's been a lot happening in between. Okay, maybe. maybe. Uh, <laughs> but still, like, feel free to go back and check later. But I, I took notes because I was obsessive about this because I, I your criticisms were breaking my weird little shipper heart, and I, mean, I had cute. to check. <laughs> I won't deny that they are so cute when they flirt, and they are so cute together, but girl, you are not in love with him. Not enough to risk your life. <laughs> I, I do think that there is enough off screen that is implied between those two big scenes that it's reasonable. I think it's also worth remembering that Vin is 16. And Elin is 17 by 17. the end. Oh, okay, she's 17. <laughs> what a big difference right now. And like, Elin's what, 20, 21? They are young people that don't quite understand what being in love probably actually is. And yeah, probably think that this is young people love. Like, I could totally buy that. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's true. But like, like, and somebody else pointed out that like she comes from an abusive past and he's the first person that's roughly her age that has shown kindness. So it's less of love and more of a 
I have latched onto you. I would say this more to it than that. I will say Elenda's 21 and positively ancient, according to Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. She has that little dig at him and he's like, how old do you think I am? And she's like, you're like, you're like 10 years older than me. <laughs> you're, you're twice my age. He's like, not unless you're a really precocious 10 year old. Yeah. <laughs> I just people like to say, oh, their so, their romance is so sweet, and it's like their romance is so off screen, and it drives me bonk. Like, yeah. So it's, that uh, it's I think part of it is it leaves us hungering for more, so we we really eat up what's there. And like, I am I do love the Vin Elland romance, like in this book and in the future, but it's. Th- there's just like it is like those like key moments it's like when they met like the chance meeting like um it's the generally it more in terms of movies but like the meet cute like at the beginning of a romance movie is like the chance meeting between like the two leads that like it's just an adorable like interaction and it's that's what we got it's like it's it's so good and then but I also really love like the final scene of the book where she's like, like she's with him and it's like, it's like, he's everything like she ever needed. Basically. It's like he was, he came back for like the, you came back. No one has ever come back. So it's like, yeah, we get the key points. And like the fact that we don't always see the connecting tissue. Like we have those moments that like, okay, like I, I see the trend line. I'm happy. And I just, I always am like, but, but I can't, my heart doesn't melt as much as I want it to. Like, I want to just get to that scene at the end and just puddle of goo. And I'm just like, okay, that's cute. And I mean, I read their interactions. I read their flirting and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I'll, I'll admit it that, that that's cute, but it's not by the time that it's the heartbreak of, oh no, he, he's rejecting me. I don't, I'm not as heartbroken as I want to be because at that point I haven't had a chance to really, I mean, I'm like, yeah, he's cute and he's fun. And how dare you, you I'm incensed for Vin, but I'm not like, my heart is not with her. It's like, okay, yeah, he rejected me. I think Brandon could have done a better job at making it obvious that there were more interactions between them than what we saw. Yeah. Uh, I think it wouldn't have even needed to be much, just a few sentences, and it would have helped. I find that my feelings on Vin and Eland in the Final Empire um, have evolved a lot um, on subsequent readings. And I think part of that has been my uh, stage in life and age and experience. Um, when I was reading it as a teenager, I was very, um, oh, this is so stupid. Like, you're falling in love with him that fast. Like, this is so dumb. Like, Vin, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, Elen's cute and the flirting is fun, but like, this is so unrealistic. Um, but I think like by the end of the final empire, their relationship has basically progressed to the point of we were seeing each other and now we are like committed. We, we've like kind of made a, a declaration and they've gone steady. Yeah, they, they've gone steady. And so in, in that sense, I'm, I'm not too bothered that 
you know, the time it took that they got to like, okay, yeah, we're going to go steady and see where this goes. Um, to the point about her feeling strongly enough to save his life. Um, or risk her life. And risk her life. I, I think two things I take from that are A, like the Vin is a, a teenager. And when I was a teenager reading this book, I was like, Oh, that's so dumb. I would never do that. Um, as an adult reading the book, looking back on my teenage self, I'm like, oh, yeah, I have some more insight there. That is uh, realistic, more realistic depiction of someone in that mindset who's having romantic feelings for the, someone for the first time and doesn't quite know what to do with them. Like, I remember the first time I like really liked someone like and I thought I had crushes before. But the first time I was like, oh, no, this is a real crush. I was like riding my bike home and I was like, my stomach was feeling weird and like all this stuff. And so I think those feelings can be very overpowering if you're not used to them. And what we know about Vin is she hasn't experienced a lot of love. So I think even though what she has with you Lend is just beginning and isn't super deep and developed, it's so precious to her because she hasn't known it anywhere else before. Um, and so for me, her actions. And I also think Elend is also a principle that there are good people and that people can be saved. And so I think he means something to her in a like principled belief value sense um, that I need to believe that there's someone there who's worth saving and who won't betray me. And so that kind of nexus kind of of different things justifies how the relationship plays out for me. Um, in these books, even though it, it does progress kind of quickly, but that can happen. <laughs> there's there's one more piece to this puzzle, and that it's that throughout the book, it's demonstrated that Vin is very good at reading people. Yes. So she's very good at getting a good picture of someone's character just from observing them, because that's how she had to survive. She had to know who was going to try to beat her before they would actually do it. So it's made her very good at discerning what a pe what a person is really like underneath what they're saying. Yeah, I, I think it's like very easy to forget that Vin's first medals were the emotional medals. It's like that's the thing. Technically, she's been doing that longer than anything else. Mm -hmm. So yeah. she and, has and to Bree's know which emotions are there mm -hmm. to, to push on. And what Bree says about soothing is it doesn't matter how strong you are with the metal. The real talent for soothing and rioting is being able to judge and perceive people's um, bl blank, uh, plain emotional state. Um, and because that's what gives subtlety. You can't be subtle if you don't know what you're working with. And that's not an allomantic skill. That's a, a human skill um, that he judges her to have naturally because she impresses him with her subtlety. Um, almost immediately. I think as well, um, taking a step back to look at it from the meta perspective is this was Brandon's second book, was it? The second published book? Mm -hmm. second He's developed a lot more as a romance writer since then. So I think if he was to redo this book now, we probably would have got either more connective scenes or maybe slight changes to the scenes that we did get uh, to round out the romance more than we currently have. 
So it just made me think before about what Ian was saying about how we have the big beats, but not necessarily the connective tissue. And I I just got thinking about how that might be different if Brandon was to do this book now and do this romance now. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Which like he's talked because like he's done like treatments for a possible film adaptation and like he's discussed like the changes he would make um for that version of the story so it's like it it would be interesting how their romance would happen because it also could be easier in film where it's like we can have like a short montage of them meeting at different balls it's like like to like show like the passage of time that like you really can't do in a book i think as a character, Vin is the character who the reader is really learning the world through. And I know she's a huge fan favorite to a lot of, of people. And I think Brandon was really successful in making a character who is distinct, unique, uh, very shaped by her circumstances, um, with a very different life from... M- 95, 99% of his readers, I'm guessing. Um, But it's still very easy to understand and map on and relate to. Um, Like a lot of her, despite her very extreme traumatic past, I think a lot of her experiences and thoughts are like super relatable. Um, And I really appreciate that. I really noticed the depth and color to her character this time around like i've known uh like the stuff about her past and all that and how it's affected her but i haven't quite seen how in depth that goes into who vin is as as a character when i've read it in the past like i've read her much more shallowy not because i think she's a shallow character just i haven't taken as much in whereas this time just the way everything fit together and how everything in the past affected who she was now and how all of her emotions and thoughts kind of went in a circle to affect everything else that stood out to me so much more well and brendan does a great job at her abusive past making her believable for her trust issues he also does a very good job at portraying that she's had this abusive past and getting that message across without going too far into it in a way that isn't really Brandon's style but I could see another author like digging into that more into a way that would make like parts of his audience like super uncomfortable because it kind of feels like he's gone too far and Brandon doesn't do that he's able to give just enough to really make sure that the audience understands her past without like digging into it specifically and like bringing that horror more to life on the page and what really struck me about her character evolution too coming out of that past is in the initial chapters with her how like little character shows up in some ways like you learn it over time and I just think it's so cool that like she hasn't gotten a chance to explore her identity at all because she's been in survival survival mode, right? And so as you're getting these little seeds of, oh, like 
she's got a sense of humor and she's got this like bullheadedness or, or stubbornness uh, to her and, and these different elements. And you almost see herself being surprised by it sometimes, you know, um, that as soon as she gets over this, oh, I don't need to just like be thinking, how do I avoid the next beating? How do I get food? How do I survive? Um, it, it's kind of cool to see her flourish in that way. She comes more into and, her own. Very. And it's like, there is the great pair of scenes where in the beginning, there's like, she's on the outside of the room, like looking in at mm. the crew and is like so happy and like a, a real family. Um, and then later on, it's like, she is a part of that. And like, she looks out and like, she's like, sees herself like the, the, the girl she was standing on the outside and like, now she's in the room and it's like so like she realizes how far she's come and like it's it's good yeah that last scene where she at first thinks she's gonna go and just disappear because she doesn't think she deserves the happiness that that she wants and then she remembers because she's she's too afraid to of, of more betrayal but then she remembers what she learned about her brother that he died protecting her even under unimaginable torture and she realizes that the betrayal that had defined her for so long never really happened and it gives her that little push to where she can stop and go and be with ellen and just sort of take that next step in her life you, you know she's still gonna have issues with it later on down the line but She's moving in the right direction. Thinking about characters, I love how Brandon was able to give us a chance to meet each of the characters. And it's so well written. But, you know, just it's a here, let's have you have a session with each one of these misting. And it's a chance to really get to know the rest of the crew and get to fall in love with the entire crew and it's so small but it's so <laughs> impactful for how mm -hmm. for just in general how each character is their own person yeah, yeah it's, and it's one it, of those things that i didn't notice that i when i first read it but then you know going back and doing rereads and and looking at it from a writer's perspective you can see the structure that he built there for fleshing out each of the characters but he wrote it so well that you don't don't notice unless you're looking for it. And I think a lot of that, too, is because he's using it also to explain the magic system. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as a especially first time reader, you're focused on, uh, oh, this is how this metal works. OK, this is something new. You know, at least I really gravitated to that. But it's really cool how he's mirrored that to like, oh, we're also giving character exposition too. Um, it's an efficient way uh to give everyone their their spotlights while developing the world even docs gets a moment even though like kind of just through the oh, structure yeah. of it she talks to him and has a good mm -hmm. conversation which mm -hmm. which helps i think because otherwise docs would kind of just be like he kind of has some stuff with kelsier but otherwise he would just kind of be like the organizer guy i think and yeah. wouldn't people wouldn't see much of him beyond that so i think that, yeah. that conversation helps yeah, he would have it's, been a chalk outline NPC otherwise. Yeah. yeah. It's easy what? when you have a large cast for people to get 
left behind and the audience not connect with them as much. And Brandon mm-hmm. did very well at making that not the case with this crew. I would say the only one who I didn't connect with as much is Yidin, but he also dies. So <laughs> it's like I don't consider him part of the crew. No, Yidin like, didn't help me. I kind of forgot how much everyone does consider him part of the crew in this book because he's never been part of it in my head. Eden is the big screw up. (laughs) Well, I think also, like, partially is no one sees Eden as part of the crew, but Kelsier is really pushing this idea that Eden's part of the crew because Eden's the excuse for all of this. Yeah. Uh, So it's like everyone's like, Eden's not part of the crew. Like, no. And then Kelsier's like, no, you guys, he's our boss. And like, (laughs) he's part of the crew. But I feel like if he hadn't died, like, Kelsier would have kept him in the circle of we mm. need people to lead this army you are going to be as important as everyone else it's just he dies so that doesn't matter yeah yeah I it's love- like he didn't it's like he's kelsier wanted him like to be that person he didn't couldn't be that person because mm. like he didn't like was the leader of the scar rebellion for years and like failed because like he doesn't know what it takes like and so like i don't think he ever would have become what kelsier wanted yeah as evidenced by the fact that he did do what he did and like screwed up the plan for the army that's the other thing that's really interesting about kelsier's relationship to each member of the crew is he has this kind of aspirational perspective transformative view of people um you know he's not seeing them as they are only, he's also seeing them of what they can be and what their potential. You know, when he's setting things up at the end, we have the the politician, the bureaucrat, the general. Um, he, like, he's always seeing them as, as... And with Vin, too, he sees Vin's potential, right? And starts... Because um, that's the other thing. You might... As a new reader, I think I might be skeptical of how quickly... Vin becomes integral to the plan, you know, like, oh, you're sending in the 17-year-old girl you got off the street to be your noble spy, really? Um, But I think part of it speaks to Kelsier's ability to say, no, like, you're you're more than this, and I'm going to push you um, into the your potential. And then with Yidin, we get the the mismanagement of that, or the like, oh, it didn't work with Eden, um, which is interesting. You know what's really interesting about that? Is that's exactly what the 11th medal does. It shows someone's alternative potential. Kelsier is the 11th medal confirmed. That is such a cool parallel. Brought to you by yeah. Span Reads. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I-, I love that. So who's your... I'll, a couple different ways, but who's your favorite or the person you related to the most um, person on the crew? Um, but And we'll take out Kelsier and Vin as like the kind of leader protagonist. So we're just looking at the kind of main, the main group. And you could say your least as well. <laughs> or the and you're, you're talking specifically about the crew then though. So that, I assume that doesn't like include Alan. Yes, specifically the crew. Because we were kind of talking about the crew setup and the different roles they play and how we've been introduced to them. Marsh is my favorite. Possibly partially because of the potential of him. We don't see him for like half the book. But 
just his story and the character of him that we do see before and how he interacts with with Kelsier. I think Marsh is my favorite. Most related to is hard to decide. Most related because it's also like reading the book the first time in like what eighth grade or whatever i don't know if i really related to anyone besides maybe vin and then now i look back and i'm like oh i relate to a bunch of these characters but do i relate to any of them really more than the rest i don't know maybe says it mm. these days says it is on the crew <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he is and he's great and he might be my favorite if not for mm. marsh they are the two of them are really close. But speaking about this book specifically, I think I would have to go Marsh. Taking other books into account, maybe not, but this book specifically. Yeah. Who's your least favorite? Least favorite. I don't know. Least favorite. It's hard to dislike any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this isn't about disliking. It's who okay. do you like the least, right? Yeah, true. That's an important. It's a ranking, not a. I feel like everyone, even the people who I like the least, it's just for like totally arbitrary reasons. But can we throw Yaden under the bus? (laughs) I mean, that was what I was gonna do. (laughs) Our feeling was that Yaden was not really part of the crew. (laughs) That's true. No, no, Kelsier said he was. We can use him. Kelsier said so. (laughs) Um, I forgot. I wasn't considering Marsh part of the crew mentally, but uh, if he is part of the crew, absolutely Marsh is my my favorite. Um, there's a lot going on there. Um, of the like main, like the more regular members who are on screen more, I think I usually settle on Ham. Um, he's just he's like charming, and I I don't know, I I just like Ham. Um, Least favorite, or the one I connected to the least, was probably Clubs. Um, he, yeah, faded into the background a bit for me, which is appropriate for a smoker. Um, and while he did have some kind of interesting moments, I, I don't know. It wasn't, I, you know, compared to like Breeze and even Spook, he, he didn't resonate with me as much, but... I could probably relate most solidly to Spook because he was the weird kid. And when I was his age, I was the weird kid. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was a lot more intelligible, but, you know, it, it just being that awkward outsider who doesn't really feel like they fit, um, that resonates with me pretty hard. Um, and, and I'm also kind of fond of Ham's philosophical ramblings those are fun especially when he annoys his breeds with them because that's also fun but i'm a brat almost like kelsier so mm-hmm. and least favorite yeah it's eden <laughs> I and mean, if we're not allowed to use eden it's still eden so this is a very very difficult question to answer with just based off of the final empire as there's one character my least favorite character the one i do dislike the most it is because of stuff that happens in hero of ages which has really soured has always um soured me on this character in rereads it just like 
fundamentally ruins the character in the entire trilogy. But I can't say who that is. Um, I'm sure we'll hear about it sometime in the future. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've watched the Cosmere Beefs episode of Shardcast, like, I believe I talked about it then. Um, favorites as of this book would probably be Sazed. Because I, I do like... Sazed is a good character. I like Sazed. Um, but... It's so hard because there's important moments in the other books that <laughs> actually help me form my opinions. I'm just like, I can't base it off of just this book. So that's all I can say. My favorite. I I think it either has to be Breeze or Sazed. I love Breeze's just it just his confidence isn't quite the right term, but just the manipulation. And the fact that he's just whatever about it is just it always makes me laugh every time I read it is he's just like, I mean, you're already standing up. You might as well. But I also have to remember Sazed I adore and. I'm pretty sure I will actually in my talking end up reflecting Sazed's speech patterns of where how he says and I don't know if I did it before I read the series, but I know for a fact that I've had people point it out to me as they read it recently and then they notice it and they're like, what in the world? But like, for example, say Zed will say his thing and then he'll go, I think. Or he'll say something and then at the end he modifies it. <laughs> and I know for a fact that I do the same thing. And so say Zed has always had a special place in my heart because... As it turns out, I talk like him. I, I don't have a least favorite. Like, they're just, they're all so fun. They are all just so distinct and so fun. I can't, I can't not like any of them. The joy of going last is that I've had a lot of time to try and uh, scramble through my thoughts to find answers to these. So my least favorite is definitely Spook just because I don't care about Spook, like, at all. I, I have no feelings about Spook, whereas, like, everyone else I like. So <laughs> Spook is my least favorite. And the one I relate to most is Doxin, because uh, the guy who does the paperwork, that is me. I'm the one who does the paperwork for so much stuff. So very, very relatable. And I don't quite know who to go with with the person I like the most because I like them all so much. But I'm going to go with Breeze because I love his cockiness so much. He is just such a funny and fun character. Does, does anyone else see Nathan Lane as Breeze in their head really clearly? I have trouble casting I most of them as like I a buff Nathan Lane. Yeah. I could potentially see it. For, I could see Breeze. Nathan Lane as Breeze, yeah. yeah. But like, or yeah, Breeze, not Hammond. Yeah, not that, Hammond. As, yeah. I just, I, I get such like Timon and Pumbaa vibes mm -hmm. from Breeze and uh, Ham in some ways. Yeah. And then uh, Nathan Lane just as other characters, like he's dramatic and mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I just looked him up and agree. He would work yeah. as Breeze. Yeah. In my head, like, Nathan Lane as ham, like, I guess, maybe, no. Mm. No. Breeze, 
yes, one hundred percent, one thousand percent, yes. As the the two brothers relationship, I most of it's in the background, and so much of it is like unspoken or kind of whispered about or slightly overheard at the door. But I love how Brandon was able to bring in this broad, rich dynamic history uh, between the two brothers, you know, with Marsh being the rebellion leader um, who gave up, um, but was very principled and Kelsier being the selfish thief who stole his brother's dream. And then the and whole his brother's thing, girl. Uh, and then the, the love triangle with Kelsier, Marsh and Mare. Um, and then Kelsier, like Marsh losing two people special to him, uh, going to the pits of Hafson and the one he loved less being the one coming back. Um, it, like, it's just, there, it's so juicy. There's so much there and we don't get much of it. Um, but I love how with the few scenes and the few comments, Brandon was able to like set up this whole backstory for the two. Um, and then that plays into like, you know, how things turn out. And then Marsh's death is a huge moment for Kelsier uh, being like, I'm going to destroy the pits of Hapson because I think you killed my brother. Like it, the relate, it's so incredible. It's like, there mm -hmm. is so much love there, even if it is not shown, like even the fact that Marsh doesn't want to help, but he still does. And I don't think who Marsh is the one, uh, the type of person who would, just do something because Kelsier uh, had his charm as he did for the other members. Like there has to be something else there. And I think it's because Marsh does care so much about his brother. And then the fact that Kelsier, like he was very emotional uh, after finding out what happened to Marsh and there it showed that he loved Marsh a lot and that that mm -hmm. brotherly bond, it wasn't, tenuous it was still strong even though they had been through a lot both with being half like half breeds and having to deal with that but also everything with mare like there was still lots of love between them yeah yeah it's it's that thing where it's like no one can drive you insane like your siblings mm -hmm. and yet you would still drop everything to help them yeah if yeah. it came yeah. to it and, and, and okay. arguably, Marsh is the one of the entire crew who winds up paying the highest price yeah. for yeah. his involvement. I mean, yeah. him getting turned into a steel inquisitor is... Ugh. Yeah. And, like, I love... Brandon, like, he nailed that sibling dichotomy of being, like, the people you hate the most and love the most at the same time, in some ways. Like, he just... He, yeah, I think that is one of my favorite character relationships in uh, this book, certainly, and even maybe even in the series, is that that brother. Um, there is one more Vin and Ellen scene that I want to mention, which is like <laughs> the, the scene where like Vin confronts Ellen about like noble women, like sleeping with ska women and like murdering them but and it's just like and like he does comfort her like he gives her his handkerchief and at the end of the scene it's just like 
oh, you can keep that. It like it wasn't just a practical oh, yeah. um, gift. I mean, it's like because like that's like the sign is like, I want to court you. And it's like, yes, what a line. it's so mm. cute. They are so cute. There just needs to be more on screen interactions. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to flirt and it's adorable. Yes. <laughs> oh god. There's such teenagers in that that aspect. Like they don't know how to flirt and that that's kind of why it's so adorable. Mm-hmm. I would counter that it is the best kind of flirting and they're doing it exactly how they should be doing it and it's working. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it works for me. It's working. Yeah. <laughs> but I, and I actually I, I do have one more thing which is a criticism of this book in particular in that we have Vin, who is an awesome female character. And then we have a whole bunch of dudes. That's Brandon yeah. has said that if he were yeah. to in reworkings, he would make, I think it's Ham. Ham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I've always been like, no, make it. I would I would prefer clubs to be the one that becomes because it makes more Why sense. Why not both? Why not both? <laughs> That's fair. Why not both? Talking briefly about the some of the villains in this book, because um, we have a couple. One thing that struck me on this read through is how they all have this kind of, and this is a common thing for villains, but really they're all bullies in different ways. Like that comes out very strong. Like you have Cayman, who's like very physically domineering and dismissive. Uh, you have Straff um, with Ezzy Lens antagonist, um, also you know being kind of a bully. Sh- Shan, like Mean Girl, like straight out of the Mean Girls movie, pretty much uh, some of her tactics. Regina um, George. Yeah. Oh yeah, she has such strong like Regina George vibes. Um, and I love Vin's moment when she recognizes the similarity between Cayman and Shan. Um, how they're both um, trying to make you as small and weak as possible um, and just kind of crushing you uh, a little bit and attacking you with the expectation that you you won't strike back or do anything back. Even Cliss falls into that, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cliss plays a part. Of of being the silly twittery one, and then she just does that whole about face of, no, no, I'm a stone cold, bitka. Yeah. I, I love us. <laughs> Thank you for watching, everybody. You can find us at seventeenshard.com for your news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud. You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can subscribe on YouTube, and you can also support us on Patreon. See you all next time. Bye. Bye.